episode because we get to talk to someone who is very recently an outsider of our industry and that is David Davis and here's a former Silicon Valley rock star flying around the world solving technology problems who makes a big transition to working for his father-in-law and his brother-in-law at Fudge Insurance which is an incredible insurance agency down in Florida and is now taking his filters, his technology filters, and passing our industry through them and coming up with solutions. And it's not necessarily the sexy um, new business, some newfangled way to throw policies on the books, ideas that I think you'd expect from someone from Silicon Valley. And it's refreshing and it's exciting. And in general, uh, Dave's just a super good guy, and I got to meet him at IAOA, and it was incredible to have him on the show. You're going to take a lot from this episode, and I think you're going to have a good time too. Uh, before we get there, though, we got to talk about our sponsor for today's episode, and that is Advisor Evolved. That's Advisor Evolved. Chris Langell and his team are creating the best websites uh, in, the, in the marketplace for insurance agents. I mean, just hands down. Now, the thing is... An advisor evolved website isn't just a website. It's a tool. It's a new business and retention generating tool. There's so much more to a website that you get from advisor evolved than just what you see on the interwebs. There are all kinds of um, processes, procedures, and, and tools behind the scenes. Things like quote vids and um, and, and other tools that, that I use uh, at Rogue Risk. Uh, if you go check out roguerisk.com, you can see... Uh, the work that Chris and his team does and some of the best agents in the entire country are using Advisor Evolved as their digital storefront and uh, I think you should give them a look too if you are considering a new website. Uh, they are my first recommendation when people ask me where to go and uh, I am happy to do so and as a user of their tool as well, I think uh, I can say wholeheartedly that I'm incredibly happy with the product that I got, the service I get from Chris and his team, and uh, I think you will be too. So with that, let's get on to David Davis. You know, I, it's hard for me to complain. I feel like I've taken a process that normally is like three to six months and bumped it up to like, it's been nine weeks since like the company was formed. Yeah. Um, that's a testament to just the network that I have, the quality of the people, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. They're willing to share and uh, very blessed in that standpoint. So it, yeah, and just pushing hard. And um, I got a pretty clear vision of what I want to do. You know, what's been, what's been interesting. I say, I'll tell you what's interesting, most interesting thing to me is that as an outsider um, Mm -hmm. to the agency ownership space. Sure. Um, you know, I see agency owners do things and I'm like, man, why do they do that? Why do they chase that rabbit? Or why do they, you know, get caught up in that thing? Yeah. And I have found myself making all those same mistakes. <laughs> you know, like um, the techno, you know, the technology game, um, yeah. Yeah. you know, chasing every carrier appointment. Um, you know, most recently it was like tr- trying to, you know, working on, low, low value lead funnel systems because, right, right. and part of it is boredom. I, you know, and, and I don't mean that cause I say, I say that, let me, you know, I say that because, uh, not boredom, but like, I can't, I don't have a direct appointment yet. Right. Well, And I think it's also like, you know, I mean, if you're like we are, I think we end up so like big things are cooking, but in between we want to be working. So we're like, well, let me just spend some time on this this little thing, which then becomes a bigger thing. And you're like, what the hell, what am I doing? Why am I working 100%. on this? Right. Yeah. I find yeah. myself, like yeah. an hour later, I've built out a funnel for a type of business that I don't even want to write. Like, I don't even want to write. Right. <laughs> I just was like, I didn't have anything to do for an hour. So, exactly. I, yeah. you know, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and it's a hundred percent. I'm downloading. It's just, ugh, just copywriting eBooks. I'm like, what uh, uh, am I doing? I mean, yeah, no, I, feel you, I feel you. I think sometimes that's when like, you know, I was telling you that it's been a crazy week for us. Like I'm just, I'm incredibly busy, like startup busy, but it's so fun. 
And the thing, the cool thing about it is I don't have, I literally have zero minutes for those kind of distractions, right? Which yeah. is nice because everything I'm working on is always like value add, value add, value add, value add. Yeah. And it feels really good. So I love those times. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you, man. Like I, uh, I said to my wife the other day, uh, she's like, how's it going? And, um, and she's been good. She's been awesome about being slightly hands off. Like she's obviously, sure, interested, sure. but you know, I'm a non-revenue producing spouse right now. So, sure, yeah, sure. Uh, so, you know, that's a stressful time for anyone, but I, yep. she's been very good about not, you know, about giving me a little bit of space because no one wants to be hounded when they're in growth mode. Yeah. Um, but she said, uh, she said, how's it going? And I said, you know, I, part of me would love to have like a partner in this, you know, like, because sure. there's this, like someone just to kind of say like, don't do that thing. Like, don't spend your time on that. Um, that's not where you want to be. Cause it, it is easy left to your own devices, especially when you're a tinkerer mm -hmm. to get on these time wasting paths. And I have to, absolutely. And, I, and I'm, I feel like I'm getting better at pulling myself back out, but man, you know, it I, is I think, I think highly productive people tend to do that. Right. Because we, idle hands aren't, aren't natural. No. You know what I mean? And so you end up like, well, you know what? I have, I have an hour or two hours here before this next big thing. Like, I bet you I could do this real quick. And, and, and you end up with all those threads. It's hard to control that. Right. I mean, I feel you on that. Yeah. The other side of it is, is I love to know how things work. Like even stupid things that I shouldn't really care about. I right. like to know how they work. Like yep. I've never been interested in like how a car works. Like I understand a basic combustion engine system. Sure. Like yep. I don't never cared to like break down my Ford and put it back together. Not right. in, in today's version, I couldn't even do that. But like, yeah. um, but when it comes to business, I, I'm pretty much intrigued by almost every aspect of it outside of maybe like accounting. But, sure. um, you know, so, so all these different systems and processes, like I know I should be outsourcing them. But at the same time, uh, I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, like I get, look, I know there is economy of scale in outsourcing them, Yeah. but actually my, my heart is closer to your heart in this in that first, I want to know about them, but you know, second, honestly, sometimes, and, and you call this um, selfish or controlling or whatever, but I, I want to have those in house sometimes, dude. Like yeah. I, I don't know. Outsourcing is great economically. And there are some places and some functions. I think it, it makes like, enormous sense like if you're not doing it it's dumb um but uh sorry someone just slacked me and i lost my train of thought but you know I, there are functions that i like to keep in-house because i have them there i can touch them i can see them i can watch yeah. them that's just my that's just my yeah. thing i also feel like so so yes so i don't outsource a lot i i also one of my key things is that i uh i only outsource outsource stuff that i know how to do Sure. That way. You sure. Can, you That's know, actually really smart. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. So like uh, a, a good one for me is um, my marketing automation. So I'm using Infusionsoft and I'm working with Austin Moorhead from Lava okay. Automation, who's a great guy. Very smart. I know 85% of how automations work, but I hired Austin and his team because mm -hmm. since I know how to, it works, I can talk to them as peers and then they can just execute in a way that it's time I don't have to spend doing it, but I know how it works. So it's not like, it's not like I'm talking to a Martian or they're talking. Yeah, to right, Martian, right. You know? So in that scenario, I feel like that's a, a an, 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 I don't this is probably the wrong word, but like an acceptable outsource because 100%. what I'm doing is getting time back. A hundred percent. And it's the same, it's going to sound weird to say this and maybe it's going to sound privileged to say this, but like, it's kind of the same logic to where, yeah, it is going to sound privileged, but it's kind of the same, it's kind of the same logic to where you make that decision for the first time that you're not going to mow your own lawn anymore. You're going to pay yeah. a service to come mow your lawn for you. And you feel a little bit guilty because you're like, dude, I know how to mow a lawn. I can mow a lawn. It's not that hard. It's good for me. I get to walk around. It's pride, you know, I get pride of ownership out of it, but you get your time back. Yes. And that's just, that's your most precious commodity. Yes. Right. This so, was a huge argument that my wife and I had um, when we first started outsourcing our mowing. Yep. It was because, and she's like, everyone else mows a lawn. And I'm like, well, <laughs> first of all, no, that's not that's true. true, right? 90% like of our community gets their lawn mowed. I said, uh, you, like, it takes me two and a half hours to mow our lawn, absolutely. Back, pick up shit, put everything yep, away. Yep, clean yep. Up. So 
would you rather have me around go, going to baseball games and doing all the stuff that we do for two and a half hours? Or would you yeah. rather have me walking circles around the yard? Yep. Because one of those things is actually productive and one is not, especially when yep. you consider how, you know, how much it actually costs to have someone to mow your lawn. Like it's not right. really that expensive. Of a thing. Exactly. Yeah. I love yeah. that your brain is working so fast that you um, have all these things in your hands right now that probably. Oh yeah. Yeah. So far he's had a deck of cards and a, <laughs> and a fidget spinner in his it's hand. True. I can tell his brain's like, I want to focus on three other things other than Ryan, but he's also. Yeah, sorry, to- sorry. I didn't know if we're doing ex- recorded exposition or just exposition. So we, we can, uh, we, you know, I just was talking. That's what I'm doing. Yeah, well, that's good. That's what it's about. So good. let's, let's, let's talk about like just what I, I guess now the only reason I wanted to have you on, but just, I wanted to get to know you better. Sure. And, and podcasts are a good excuse for that. But, um, and I know you're recently on, uh, the Atomics podcast is cool. I listened to that, which is awesome. And awesome. Um, but you know, I, I'm, I'm interested in a bunch of things. I think, um, I'm going to start kind of high level, uh, okay. just to get our audience there, but just, Tell us a little bit more about, and, and everyone at home knows this, and so they're going to hear it, and they've already heard it, but I do a little, <laughs> little who you are at the beginning before this recording. Sure, sure. So you've all heard that, and I've just told him that, because I just get right into the recording, but um, the, the insurance industry, right? So, um, so you're, you're, you're from Silicon Valley, uh, which is super cool to be able to tell people that. Um, just immediately emasculates every other nerd around around Valley. Um, and then you come into insurance. So my first question is, which one is nerdier? (laughs) Um, you know what, this actually may be surprising. So uh, to, to caveat this answer, I've been in insurance for six months and I've been to, let's say five or six insurance events, um, nerdier, uh, I think the people in Silicon Valley are nerdier in a pure nerd sense. But what may be surprising about the people in Silicon Valley is that they know how to party after they're done being nerdy for the day in a way that probably people don't imagine. Right. So at the, at the nerdy Silicon Valley conferences, the, the after parties, I mean, they're, you know, it's like, it's like entourage. Right. Uh, and so the, the, the insurance people, I think in the office here, much less nerdy, much, much cooler, much hipper. We have a young office. And so, uh, you know, I feel, it is not very nerdy at all here in comparison to Silicon Valley. But when I've gone to the insurance after parties, and maybe I'm getting invited to the right ones, guys, but when I've gone to the insurance after parties, they're, they're pretty tame, man. Yeah, you're not going to the right party. <laughs> next, next time we hang out, just you know, you send me a text. You got <laughs> we'll it. We'll roll. Yeah, you you're not going to the right one. I was going to say the opposite. I was like, the thing about insurance that I found when I started going uh, to events on a national stage I thought was so interesting is like, like, you know, when I was in college, I played on the baseball team, I was in a fraternity, like, you know, I've, I've lived that life, you know? Yeah. And then you kind of become a professional in air quotes right. and right. figure whatever. And then I started going to these insurance events and maybe it's just cause I hang out with Cass when I go to them, but like, yeah. like insurance people know how to get down. Yeah. Like, definitely, definitely. I kind of feel like, I kind of feel like there's this hard worker, uh, you know, hard, hard having fun person dichotomy that happens with people who are super driven. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't see, and I've, and I've thought through that particular aspect of life a lot. Um, and I keep coming back to like, I don't know that it is possible to be dialed in 24 seven. Like you need to have a weight event and is yelling crazy ball busting jokes at each other at some bar, like the most productive way to do it. I don't know. I think it kind of is. I do. T- I actually <laughs> do too. I mean, I, I honestly, I do think that I, I think everybody's probably reached that point where you're so engrossed in what you're doing in a day. You, 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 you reach that moment in the afternoon, it's like five thirty or whatever. And you're like, I should go home or I could order a pizza and keep working for another three hours because I've got that much stuff to do. And I'm, I'm that jazzed about it. Right. Um, those are the moments where if I was with buddies, we would say, dude, let's cut out. Let's just be done for the day. Let's cut out. We'll start again early tomorrow, but let's go get some beers. And honestly, some of, some of my best ideas have come <laughs> three or four beers in at a bar, right? Yeah. You know, so I, um, in, a, in a different life in the industry, I worked for a company called Agency Nation. Yep. And um, we, so uh, two, two, two of the guys that worked there in particular, Derek Hyde and Margaret Agatha and I, 
like after long days of conferencing or, or, or since we were a, a predominantly remote company, Marty actually yeah. lived in Minnesota, Derek lived in Milwaukee, I lived in Albany, when we would all be in the same place at the same time, we would hammer out a hard day's work. We we're very hard workers. And then six, seven o'clock would come around and you'd go and you'd get dinner and then dinner yeah. would turn into drinks and then drinks yep. would turn into after drinks and then after yep. drinks would turn into what bar is still open so we can have one more. But the, the truth is like, some of me would say to myself, like, ah, that's pretty unhealthy behavior. The other part of it was Agency Nation as a company was mm-hmm. born out of Derek Hyde and I being hammered drunk at a bar at 1130 at night. And the whole idea for Agency Nation in a nutshell came out of us just like talking to each other. I mean, obviously, we're, yeah. we're probably yelling at this point, but <laughs> yelling at each other about, about, you know, here, we need to do this. And we're, you know, this is what we're missing and Bob and Bob and like, and then he goes, well, I got this URL, Agency Nation. I was like, bah! We got and, it, yeah. You know, and then we, yeah. you know, and then that was how it all started. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, so I, I, think, uh, I think you have to have both worlds. If you're, if you're too constrained, you never uh, let your mind wander into places that you don't like. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, there's like, I guess there's retreats you can go to that help you with this too. But I just found like a couple good IPAs or a good scotch and, and a buddy who will let you yell at them for a while. Like, will really help you let your mind go. hundred percent, man. A hundred percent. Real quickly on that thing. You made me think like when we, when I first started working, you know, in the previous role, I was all over the, I was all over the, the world. We had customers in different countries. Right. And one of the, one of the things we did is we would take these classes on how to work with, you know, different cultures. And uh, the one on how to work with Japan was very interesting to me uh, because there was a, there was something that I took, stuck with me and said, you know, in Japan, you're going to go to the business meeting and it's going to last two hours. Uh, and then after the business meeting, you're going to go to dinner and that's where the deal is going to get closed, right? It's not at the, it's not at the meeting. Even if, even if yeses are said around the table at the meeting, doesn't matter because two, three beers and some sushi into the night is where the actual deal gets closed. And so yeah. I've always kind of kept that in my head to where, you know, our interactions as human beings. Yeah. I mean, we've got our business side and we can sit here and be totally serious with each other and we can, you know, do it in a boardroom, but the relationship piece is what is what cements it, man. Yes. And and that's exactly what you're talking about, right? Yeah. You know, it's funny. Um, I bumped into different people and and I, I think this is um part and, and I, I don't like to be um generationalist. Yeah, yeah. If that makes sense. It does to me. <laughs> yeah, but uh I do feel like people who I um professionals that I have run into that are say in their early thirties or younger, mm-hmm. this is a, this is an idea I think that is lost on a lot of them. Mm. I've just found that they believe that a quality product in their mind to a company that supposedly has a need that that deal should just get done. Just yeah. why isn't that getting done? Like I built this thing, it solves the problem that, you know, I perceive you have and you should just buy it. And, right. and, and, and that is, that is not where deals get done. Not at all. It's just not yeah. like yeah. You just know it's you. Sh- it's almost like a ritual. It's like a. It's like a. You're, you're the meeting. The actual meeting at eleven o'clock in the boardroom where you're sitting across from someone. That's just like this formal presentation of the absolutely, guard. absolutely. And you shake hands and you okay. And here's the kind. Okay, this looks good. I'll have my people look at it. Okay, we'll get back. And then you you leave and you mm-hmm. go get whatever you know, afternoon drinks or you come back together for dinner. And then that's where it's, you're talking about families yep. and hobbies yep. and this. And then there's this moment where you look at each other and you're like, this is happening, right? Yeah. it's yeah. Happening. Okay, good. Let's go get hammered. And, and that's where you get your confidence from, right? Not from the boardroom piece, but from the over the table piece, right? Yes. Yeah. That's where yep. you find out if the other person is crazy. Exactly. I think that's what the, what the younger generation is, is missing. <laughs> or just people who don't understand this aspect of business is, yeah. It's not about the drink. Cause I've had people say to me, Ryan, you know, that's unfair because I'm not a big drinker. No, it's I hear not you. about the drinking. Not it's at not all. About drinking. It's not about the eating. Right. I've had yep. people say, well, you know, I'm, I don't, I'm vegan. I don't like going to steakhouses and stuff. It's not about the eating. That's where, cause you can't in a boardroom where we all have our battle armor on, we yep. all have our uniforms on and our team flag is behind us and the fans are all watching and we need to present our arms the best way possible. What, what the other side wants to know is, is this a crazy right. or no? Like, right. is this person right. going to stab me in the back or no? And well, 
Um, yeah, and your intuition on that, like our all of our intuition is finely tuned to pick those people out, right? And yeah. and dither that in our head. And when we all have our, our 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 battle colors on in that boardroom, we're opaque in that way, right? We're much more opaque in that way. Yeah. You get somebody out to dinner, you get somebody out to wherever, you start talking, like you said, about family, you start talking about how'd you get to this job, you hear how you know, you hear their life a little bit. Okay, this person is legit, like we're gonna work together, you know. Yes. It's and it's it's very very important, and that yeah. definitely I think that transcends industries. Um, at least it seems to, and it certainly is true in our industry, in the insurance industry. I think it's really interesting, actually. You know, transcending industry. It's the there are certain skills that are very portable, which I've found uh, in a surprising way between industries. And this sort of interpersonal people skill stuff that, you, that we're talking about right now is one of those skills that is absolutely portable. So if you've ever read, um, you know. Um, how to win friends and influence people, which is in my opinion, the absolute best book ever written on how to do what we're talking about right now. Yeah. Um, that, that stuff is completely portable from one industry to the next. Yeah. And it's, it's just as important here in the insurance space as it is in Silicon Valley, honestly. Yeah. So you come from, uh, you come from the technology space, yep. you're traveling all over the world and now you uh, work at a independent insurance agency. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, so, you know, for, I mean, first impressions, first, I mean, I, I know this is your brother-in-law, brother-in-law and father-in-law or, or brother-in-law and father-in-law. Yeah. Brother-in-law yep. and father-in-law. So it's not like you were completely naive to the world. I mean, you had right. been around, you'd heard them talking stuff, but you walk in the first day, you got the, the colors on and, yep. um, and you know, what, <laughs> what are you like, this is amazing. Or like, holy shit, what did I do? Um, I think it's probably somewhere in between those two things, right? So um, I'll tell you what, I was, I was, you know, I, from the moment I graduated uh, college, uh, I was in a big corporate job, right? And so I had never really experienced anything other than a massive sort of corporate engine, 100,000 person company, you know, full-fledged HR, full, you know, everything, full-fledged IT, everything you would imagine with a large corporation, you know, Fortune, Fortune 50 type company. Uh, and so for me coming in here, um, I was immediately struck by sort of the scale, right? The difference in scale. But what surprised me in a good way was that um, actually the systems that were established here are like legit, um, at least in this agency, like legit business operational systems. Like, oh, okay, we have, you know, I, you, you get here, everything works, it's functional. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna do stupid stuff. I'm mapping to network drives, I'm mapping to printers. Uh, I've got an extension, all my email and my Slack and everything is, is going and it's all set up to go. And I'm like, wow, I figured this would be much more hacky yeah. because we're on such a smaller scale here, but no, it's not. And I was, again, can, you know, pleasantly surprised when I started looking at the P&Ls because I'm like, hey, like this business is running well, like these profits are, are rad. You know, the, the, the revenue here is good. Um, and, uh, the modeling is good and, you know, we're not on a thousand lines of credit and holy cow, this company is running in a, in a, in a profitable way. And I don't, I don't think I, I mean, I did my research before I joined, I didn't want to join, you know, but I, I was surprised to see how much diligence structure and goodness can be in the entrepreneurial space. Um, because I guess my impression having never been there before was that I was going to walk in and was going to be like the blind leading the blind. It was going to be like a mess. And it really wasn't like that at all. Um, so a lot of my first impression, first impressions were positive ones. Um, but, but I can flip that around because on the, on the other side of that coin, there is an utter lack of process in, in some regards. Okay. So we got, we've got people out here who are, who are, you know, selling policies and they're doing an awesome job and they're kicking butt. But I, I don't think a single one of them uses our systems in the same way. They're effective each in their own right. None of them are using our systems in the same way, which for, for me as a tech guy, who's trying to do wonderful stuff with our technology and data is like a nightmare, right? Uh, because getting down to the nitty gritty of it, uh, one person puts their reminder to do a task in a field called notes and the other one puts it in a field called tasks and another one puts it in a field called extra and uh, nobody's doing the same thing. Nobody has a system. They're all, they're all closing. They're all, they're all producing. They're all hitting numbers. They're all doing it different ways, right? And uh, coming from that big corporate space, like I was a very big stickler on like process and procedure. Mm-hmm. Um, let's have a standard way to do things. Um, you know, let's keep, our, let's keep our data in order. Let's keep our information in order. Um, if I had to take, if I had to send a book in a spaceship with a colony of people who were going to Mars and when they got to Mars, they could start an independent agency. 
what would I put in that book? And that's how I want my agency to run. Right. Okay. So, um, those are sort of, those were sort of my first impressions. Um, there's a lot of good and sort of a lot of, oof, man, we could, we could do better in, in some of these places. Yeah. Um, just give me, uh, just for the audience's contextual, um, name of the agency, size yeah. of the agency, years in business, just, just some, yeah. just like back of the baseball card stats, just so they. Sure. Yeah. So the, the, yeah, the agency was started 14 years ago by um, our, our owner and president now, his father. And so it's perpetuated to, to, uh, to Doug, who is our president and CEO. The agency is called Fudge Insurance, the last Doug Fudge, last name, so family name. We get a lot of good comments from that one at trade shows. Um, and uh, we have uh, about 15 people uh, on staff uh, today. Not all of those are sort of front of the house producing people. Um, and then we have, um, I guess I'm trying to figure out some other stats I can give you, but, uh, we're, we're, we're mostly a personal shop. Um, mm -hmm. uh, so most of our stuff is personal. We're, we're on a big push right now to grow, uh, the commercial side of our business. Um, and, um, we do a little life. So it's kind of, it's kind of the profile of the business and you're hearing me, my voice get a little softer there because you're, you're trading into the area where like as a technical guy, I'm still learning some of the insurance stuff and how to give you the baseball card stats. Um, but that's, that's us in a nutshell. No, I think it's good. I mean, that seemed like a perfectly reasonable job to me. <laughs> and you should give yourself a hard time for that. Cool. Um, so you said that, uh, and some of these questions are going to be all over, but you said that's that cool. you're thinking about moving into the commercial line side, like why I guess first and, and what does that look like moving into the commercial line? Side? Yeah, it's a great, great question. So we, so I say why, so we've always done, uh, we've always had commercial uh, writers with us and we've always done some amount of uh, commercial business. Um, but we've actually had a lot of turnover in that space. Um, and this is before my time, but we've had enough turnover in that space that that side of the business really hasn't um, taken off. Uh, and so there's, there's, there's revenue there and it's, it's not anything that I would throw away, but it's, it, it doesn't, you know, it's, it's not super, it's not a super representative piece of our revenue if I say it that way. And so uh, we recently were able to acquire, uh, you know, uh, some commercial agents uh, who I think we all think are top notch. Right. And so we, we actually have the talent. And so I think I, I listened to your podcast with um, uh, Billy Williams. Right. Yep. And you guys talked a lot about, you know, do you pursue, carriers do you pursue business and then pursue carriers and there's sort of this chicken and egg how do you define what you're going to go after uh, right or wrong in this case I think what I'm telling you is that we, we have some we have a book of business now we think we have a lot of opportunities to cross sell additional commercial business in, in addition to that book but we just didn't have the staffing the consistent staffing to be able to go execute on that stuff until now and so one of the things we've chosen as sort of a growth vector for this year is hey we've got this really competent staff who's now on board um, let's just give them carte blanche to go you know to go out and market to go cross sell to go do good work and uh, we really think we have opportunity to grow there as a technology guy mm -hmm. um, what are your thoughts around the so I believe that insurance is still an incredibly human business right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and you come in from it, and I'm not saying that because you're technology focused, you don't believe that, but right. I think that would be someone's instinct, right? So uh, mm. actually, I just saw someone shared something the other day, uh, Andrea Strange from Andreessen Horowitz came out with this, had this video that kind of, I don't want to say went viral, but like in nerdy land, it went viral around insurance about talk, talking about how insurance <laughs> layered into other products and that it's a, it's a, you know, basically saying like this afterthought thing that does have a lot of revenue attached, like everyone should be finding ways to bake it into their product. And my okay. comment on the video was like, if only insurance was that easy to sell, like, and, and, and to keep and make profitable. Like, yes, I love the idea of everyone hates insurance. So we just bake your homeowner's insurance into the next time you buy a dishwasher and sure. you know, and then it's all good. But mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I, the, the deeper I've gotten into this business over the last 15 years, the more I've come back to, I still don't see how you profitably, long-term profitability se is separated from humans. I, I don't know how you do that yet. Um, and I'm just interested, like you coming in, looking at that, where are your thoughts? Where do you stand? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, in, in short, I agree with you a hundred percent. And this is not because now I work at an independent agency and I'm sort of like, attached to it in, in any, there's in any way. Right. So I think, um, if you look at, 
uh, you know, I think there's a lot of doom and gloom in the IA space. I think a lot of IA owners are resistant to, um, you know, what we typically call maybe insure tech stuff or maybe carriers, you know, sort of uh, continuing to develop their direct channels and, and disintermediating, um, you know, independent agents. And I think there's a lot of there's a lot of fear there. There's a lot of misunderstanding there. Um, I also think there's a lack of empathy from the independent agency side for the carriers uh, situations. And uh, I'm, you may, you may, you may think I'm sacrilegious for that, um, but but there is a lack of empathy. I think, honestly, if there was a little more trust between the, the the primary entities in the ecosystem, we may we may be able to move faster. So let me explain what I mean. Um, you know, I don't think that the carriers are out here trying to, uh, you know, undo the uh, independent or captive agent channel because they just don't like us and they're you know hell-bent for profits or anything as nasty or or awful as that like these guys got to make a buck too these guys are also and i know people think but carriers man they have tons of money yeah they have tons of money to underwrite their business right they don't necessarily have you know so here's the deal let me answer your question real quick um there are probably some very low complexity simple types of business that are ripe and fit for uh personless transactions, right? Some type of insurance um, policy objects or policies that can be done effectively on your phone quickly um, without human interaction and quickly and acceptably. Um, but and uh, equipment breakdown insurance, like, uh, exactly. like uh, exactly lines of business right there. It's something that you know, there's a couple of them. Those are those are great examples that are, that that are natural fits for that. No problem, right? I'm, I don't want to pay a middleman to help me sell a policy that I can do on a phone. But here's the deal: for personal policies and and particularly like complex commercial policies, no way, man. Um, it is it is a people business. I think that you'll you'll continue to see people push direct options for stuff that you know, they'll try and see how they can do it. But I really don't think that we're going to see in the long run that those things that are sold direct without the intervention of humans are going to have the kind of loss ratios or, or uh, you know, other statistics that are going to make them long-term viable. That's just my, that's just my prediction. Um, so, so there's so much there that I want to <laughs> I love. I love. So we are of the same mind here. Uh, one of the things that's been interesting about my own career is aging for eight years. Then I go into... Um, media technology consulting world for five years and i see and i get to spend a lot of time with carriers a lot of time with carriers um the west bends the acuities the westfields the centrals the you know all these and, and i have a i have an affinity for um and this for better or for worse for super regional mutual companies okay. i just love the way that they operate i do this is nothing against the big nationals i've had sure experiences with Safeco and with Liberty and with some of the others. So I'm not knocking anybody, but just my, I have this affinity for, for this, for these type of models mm -hmm. because, and I, and I do believe that when people bang on carriers, they look at travelers, right? Travelers has an identity crisis. That's their problem. They're looking at what they're looking at thin margins, mm -hmm. which take top level and you're like, oh, they're Dow Jones industrial average. What the hell are you talking Don't about? Don't do that. Don't do that. Yep. But when you, when you actually look after underwriting, after reserves, after you everything else that goes in, their margins are pretty thin. Absolutely, and, dude. And they're actually competing against, they've ascended to a level in size and in scope, both nationally and internationally, where they're now competing against th these mega, mega companies. Yep. And, and what's, and what the problem is for, for a company like Travis, because I think Things travelers do radiate through the whole industry. So I'm using, mm. this is not, again, a knock on travelers. This is trying to talk through this topic, which is they have one foot squarely in the IA bucket. And as Matt Wood, uh, who is um, uh, uh, an incredible agent who has become a buddy of mine who lives in Columbia County, which is not far from me, he made a comment the other day about Travis has this new flat fee auto mm -hmm. insurance policy coming out. Okay. I agree with the general community that this is a path we do not want to take as an industry. That being said, Matt's comment, I don't mean to be blowing him up. I just think he's very smart about these particular topics said, look, like, yes, this flaffy thing is scary as hell, but look at the way travelers handles profit sharing and contingencies and bonuses. 
they have one of the best programs mm -hmm. on that side of the house. So look at your total compensation yeah. versus just commission. And, 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 and in my point in saying that is not, is Matt right? Is other people right? That, that my point is that I feel like too often, just as you said, IAs, we, we take this stance of they're our enemy, right? right. They're out to rip from us. They're, and that is just simply not the case. It's there, not the case. There are no executives that deal with IAs for the most part. But yeah. Who, who are going, we, we just want to take them out of the equation. Like, right. yes, does Allstate and Nationwide and Travelers make some decisions that are not always in our best interest, progressive maybe? Sure. But Well, and, and to your point, and I'm sorry to speak over you, but to your point, I was having a conversation with one of, one of my buddies from Westfield a few weeks ago. And, you know, we, we which may have been over some bourbon, but uh, we, we were talking about if we're inside a carrier and we're doing our due diligence to understand how we're going to move our carrier forward profitably, we would be remiss not to be looking at direct options as part of that puzzle, right? I've been saying for years, every carrier, every carrier should have some small direct channel just to understand what everyone else is going through, just for, just for, for, for channel knowledge, just to say, hey, IA, I get that this is tough, we're yeah. doing a little bit of it here and man, it's tough. And like yeah. I was talking to a carrier one day and I, cause this is what I believe again, perfect world. You know, you're sitting in a spot. I was like, I would love it if a carrier said, we're going to, to have channel knowledge in marketing and sales, we're going to run direct to consumer. And then we're going to write that business and then pass mm. service off to the closest local agent who hits a certain quality standard. And now they're not competing. Essentially, yeah. is getting free business in the door, but the yeah. carrier is getting channel knowledge and building brand value. And I'm like, this yeah. is the model. Like, yeah, that's a great, that's, that's, that's a really interesting idea. Um, but the problem is the the stick in the, there's too many sticks in the mud that are so old school that they, they see that as a, as a gateway. Yeah. Right? Yeah, sure. But that goes back to your original point, and then I'll be quiet because I've been talking a lot. This is no, just you're a good. Hot button for me. It's <laughs> a lack of trust, empathy, and understanding between agent and carrier. They they right. believe that if they give the carriers an inch, they will go all the way to cutting them out. And I I could list a hundred carriers right now that have zero intention of yeah. ever doing that. They trust their agent partners and love them to death, and frankly, have put up with a lot of bullshit from them. Yeah, sure probably shouldn't have had to deal with. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, it's, it's, it's actually really good to hear you be passionate about this because a lot of times what I find is, and again, I'm, I'm brand new here. So when I say a lot of times, I mean, over the past six months, as, as I've <laughs> talked to, to other, you know, agency owners, what I find is that, and, and part of this is understandable, so I'm not trying to knock anybody, but like people are concerned with their shop, okay? Everything that's happening inside their agency and they're, they're caring about their customers, they're taking care of their customers, they're, they're, they're selling policies um, and they're doing a great job at that. Um, but they're, they're, they're in that agency bubble with almost with blinders on yeah. and they, have, they don't have a lot of appreciation for how the ecosystem works beyond them. And, you know, maybe this is not, something that everybody needs to have. But I, I am willing to bet you that the most successful independent agencies are the ones who understand the ecosystem and the channel and how those different things, and we all read, maybe we read some statistics from, you know, AM Best or whatever, and we're figuring out how much is direct and how much is independent and how much is uh, captive. And, you know, we all look at these statistics and we know the numbers and things, but, but to, to understand, one of the first things I wanted to do when I got into this job is I want to visualize what the sales channel looks like. I want to understand who the retail people are, who the consumers are, uh, who the middle, middle people are, uh, where, uh, what are the carriers doing back to reinsurance. And so what does this channel look like visually? How do people communicate? Who relies on whom for what? Um, you know, where are the pain points between the different players in the ecosystem? And I'm not saying, again, everybody needs to have that knowledge, but I bet you that the most successful agencies do have that knowledge. Um, one of the things that was very difficult for me uh, when I first got on the national scene, um, I have a hard time not being 110% in and passionate about whatever I'm involved with. Mm -hmm. I can't help it. Like even my last job, which wasn't in the insurance industry, I had very little passion for the space. But once I was mm -hmm. there, I couldn't be anything but bought in. 
So when I got on the national scene, it was very difficult for me to, I couldn't understand why everyone wasn't looking at these global issues as, as big things. And it right. took me a long time to say to myself, you know what? This guy just wants to run a business and coach his kids little league team and go to church and have a good relationship with his spouse and maybe do some fun vacations. And that's all he wants. Yep. He doesn't, and, 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 and there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely not. Yep. Right. But that's sometimes for, for maybe for people like me and you who I, I don't know that I can't help, but think ba- I can't, right. I can't stop my brain from going there. Sometimes I have to rein it in and be like, it goes back to what you said earlier. You said you like to know how things work. Well, yeah. guess what? You want to know how your business works, right? Even outside the scope of your walls. Yeah. Um, and again, to that guy who wants to, you know, go to church, coach his kids, little league team and do his business. Like I say, you know, more power to you, dude. That's awesome. And I bet you that guy's going to be mad successful doing his work. Um, and, and, and I'm not, I'm not picking on, you know, that model at all. In fact, maybe, maybe I should have a little more of that model, but it's just <laughs> not. I think that person's got it figured out. I'm young. <laughs> Exactly. Maybe, maybe we're doing, we're screwing up here, man. <laughs> there have been days where I have life choices. I just like, right. why right. Just, my wife said this to me the other day. She goes, why can't you just like do the thing? Why do you always have to be involved? And I'm yeah. like, ah, if I had an answer for that, I don't know. No, I don't yeah. know that I want to the answer for that. So, okay. So let's shift gears a little bit out of this sure. high level stuff. I'm like, so I'm interested in like what, what's got you excited? Like you, you come into the space, you dig in, you realize like, Oh shit. Like I can get on the network and the internet right. works and the phones work. Okay. So the basics are there yeah. and now you start digging in and you're going, um, you know, I, we, we've, I think a lot of people have beat up the things that maybe don't work as well as we like, but like, sure. I'm like where do you come in? You're like, Oh man, I can fill this gap. And there's a, we can really push here. Like what's got you kind of jacked up. Yeah. So, uh, a lot of, that's a good question. A lot of what I did. Um, okay. So one of, one of the things I think I'm proudest of that we did at the old job, um, when I was, uh, working at Intel is that, you know, we were responsible for, um, enabling and, uh, support during the design phase for large data center installations. So to put that in sort of more understandable terms, perhaps this is working with the Googles, the Amazons, the Facebooks, the Apples, um, the Twitters of the world who are installing large, 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 large scale data centers. Uh, we would help them build the machines that would go into those data centers, test those machines, deploy those machines. And then if those machines caught on fire, we would go help, you know, put them out. Right. Um, and so uh, we had to develop a system uh, that would allow us to support the customers, right? And it would allow us to track the customer's issues. It would allow us to, uh, I mean, it's, it's the same kind of humor, human interaction stuff we've been talking about earlier, right? We've got a lot of customers with a lot of really big problems. And uh, we want to make sure that we're taking care of them uh, and keeping them satisfied. And we're solving issues and we're moving the whole thing forward. And so we worked a lot on a system that would allow, you know, the 650 people that were doing this work to uh, be in touch with the customers, uh, to track their, their work, to follow up on their work, to do the general things that you would think of that make a good, in this case, it wasn't sales, right? But it was essentially um, support and service, right? And so to, to be able to do those things in the best way possible, given the fact that we were doing it for a large bunch of people with a lot of complexity, right? And uh, we developed a system. When I say a system, I mean a piece of software uh, that would allow us to uh, to do that kind of thing, right? And you can think of it as a mix between sort of like a, a CRM and a ticketing system. Um, and uh, once we had that in place, we were able to gather all kinds of cool statistics to, to tweak our business and do better, okay? Um, and, uh, when I came in here, uh, I watched sort of how the agency runs their business day to day. And we have a system as well as the, as the, do most people in this business and in the, in the IA space has a system. Systems, I'll be honest with you. There are no, there are no systems here. <laughs> okay. Well, there perhaps will be a system one day, even if it's just, you know, a Rolodex, but I bet you that one day there will be a system. Um, and, uh, you know, it, I, again, this is not, I'm not trying to be negative here because we're, we're profitable and whatever system cobbled together we have that, that we're working, it's working, right? But I think we're, we're, we're successful in spite of our technology is a lot of what, I, you know, I like, I like to say that a lot. And I think that um, it's not about, I mean, it is in part about getting a better system. That's one piece of it, but it's what you get to in terms of insights once you've got better systems and processes that is the really important piece because it can really allow you to do things as simple as like, load balance your your work 
you know, your work effort. It can allow you to optimize the levels of care for particularly needy situations, uh, times of year, uh, accounts, uh, things that, you know, we sort of do intuitively. We, we, we do this juggling thing. But as human beings, you know, once it gets to be beyond a certain amount of balls in the air, we're really not doing the, as good a job as we could. And you need some, some help to help you categorize, visualize, um, share the load potentially. Um, and as nerdy as that sounds, Ryan, that's the kind of thing that actually I'm excited about coming into this agency and helping do because these guys are out here kicking butt already. Um, I think that if we could, we could have a little more insight, not me as a manager looking down on other people, but together collectively insight into the workload and where we're successful. Um, I, I mean, I just, I think we could unlock all kinds of extra, extra good stuff. Talk to me a little bit about the idea of load balancing, because I think I understand what you're saying. Sure. I also think that from other conversations, anecdotally, I think that this is one of the more important concepts <laughs> in our space today. And I'm yeah. just your take. Yeah. So I'm, I'm using, I guess, a, 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 a sort of a network or a computer term, right? So in, in, in any big old data center, when you have a bunch of traffic going through one particular node or one particular uh, processor, um, there's always these schemes that are software-based that allow you to balance that load across multiple resources. So they're actually not bottlenecked by a particular given resource. So we can apply the same um, thinking to human beings, right? Uh, and we can say, um, if, uh, you know, Agent Mary uh, or CSR Mary has, you know, an outstanding queue of work that's, you know, deeper than the average time per piece of work is going to give her an eight-hour day to do, we have then overloaded or congested on that particular CSR. And can we be smart about how we load balance that work onto other CSRs or other places in the agency so that we can, you know, we don't end up backlogged through a particular resource. And, and it can also be instructive, I think, in hiring decisions, right? And so if we consistently find ourselves backlogged, let's say through our single commercial agent, uh, which is a great problem to have, uh, perhaps it's time that we need to go out and seek, you know, an additional commercial agent to help us with the work. And so what I really would like to do and what we, the way we saw it in the, in the previous industry is we would, ha you know, have a number of outstanding issues and we would have dashboards and statistics that we collectively could look at, not a manager thing, but an everybody thing. Uh, and you could go in and you could reassign work. And of course there's, there's nuances to reassigning work. You know, sometimes there's a personal aspect to it that doesn't necessarily lend itself to, to, to switching midstream. But when there, are, when there is work that's easily compartmentalized and shuffleable within different sort of facilities in the, in the, in the agency, um, that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about getting the benefit from. I'll give you a real example. I mean, it sounds, you can talk big, you, know, you can say big words and stuff, but the real example is like we had, uh, we had uh, all but I think two of our personal agents out for various reasons um, we, you know, a couple of weeks ago and we found ourselves stuck because there was a bunch of stuff that needed to get done that hadn't got done before they had to take off, not their fault, uh, just couldn't have gotten done. And there was a bunch of new stuff coming in and the other agents that were in the office already had their own workload. So all of a sudden there's more work than there is people to do the work. Right. Um, and if we would have been able to perhaps anticipate the week before the fact that we would have been down to two staff the, the next week, we could have perhaps load balanced that a little bit better and got it kicked out so that we wouldn't pinch ourselves in the, in the coming week. And so it sounds very tactical, but it's real, right? And it allows us to, to keep up with our customers. No, this is, so most agents, a common practice among, um, you're calling them agents or CSRs or whatever, yeah. um, is the alphabet method. Hey, Tammy, <laughs> you have A through F yes. and yes. you have G through, you know, and, and what happens is there is no science to that yep. at all. Yep. Chopping the alphabet up into thirds and distributing among your three CSRs does not mean, I mean, Tammy Sue could be there till 10 o'clock at night. Absolutely. And, and John could, could have an hour's worth of work. And, Absolutely. And, and, and this is one of the things, uh, this is a big, a big mission of mine uh, in terms of just the messaging that I want to put out into the world is around the idea of expectation. Mm. And I think that um, there is this false concept that, if they don't talk to Tammy Sue every time they call that, that, that person is going to be upset because they have a relationship with Tammy Sue. I actually think that that is horse, horse crap. I do not yeah. think. That. Yeah. I think if you set the expectation that Tammy Sue is your personal servant and she's going to answer every one of your phone calls and drop everything at a dime and do what that client says. Then right. Yes, that's true. But if you say to her, we have a team of people, Tammy Sue is your primary but if it's not Tammy Sue, it'll be John, or maybe it'll yeah. be Tina, or maybe it'll be Kevin, or whoever else. But she's your primary. That's cool to say. But then 
like we have a team of people that can help you. Yeah, and absolutely. That this methodology that 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 the only the only thing that determines personal touch or good service is this this like old world relationship where it, I, I just to me it is holding us back so well, much. I, I agree, but here's the deal: if you're not consistent, and I don't mean consistently good, but if you're not consistent on how you're handling folks, then it makes it much more difficult to be. Uh, to, to have fungible resources like that. So if their Tammy Sue experience is always per their expectations, but their experience with Jane is maybe it's per their expectations, but it's different, yep. right? It's just a different stylistic approach. They're going to call the one they're most comfortable with. But if you've got some processes and procedures and standards that you have, and the experience is pretty uniform across your people, then it won't be a big deal to transfer yeah. between people. Do you know what I mean? I do. It, dude, this is why I'm going full service center. That's yep. why Road Risk yep. Full Service Center is because I'm my my business is going to be commercial and, mm -hmm. and basically preferred slash high net worth personal. That's it. But but okay. predominantly I'm a commercial lines agency. Got it. And if I write a package with whoever, their team back at where at that headquarters or wherever the call center, they are the best people. And and the other thing is set expectations up front. Here's exactly why I'm doing it. And I'm and 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 what I want, is, I know that if Cindy Hurlis at Central Insurance is managing her team of 35 customer care individuals, that I trust her to make sure right. that, that experience is uniform and high quality. I trust her a lot more than I trust myself. <laughs> low balance CSRs behind me, you know. I hear you. Like, I hear you. Yeah. And I think that, um, and, and and again, not everyone has to go service center, but I guess my. No, but that's actually a really good point, though, right? I mean. You that is that is actually a very good and it's something that you, you just made me sort of think twice about because that's a big benefit though that you can get by doing the model that you're doing right uh instead of having to invent and or instill that in in staff so um yeah i like that actually that's uh well i goes back to your point of of trust and empathy i i have decided this and again this has been strategic and i i feel i've said this a thousand times i feel blessed that i've been able to um filter and build constructs and ideas from having a thousand conversations like the one we're having now, right? I've had thousands of these with all mm -hmm, people. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I take, I, I have notebooks, crazy ass notebooks. I'm literally writing <laughs> for articles off of things that you're saying over here. I have all these crazy ass notebooks with notes filled with all these ideas. Sure. And, and one of the things that I believe and, and is that there are certain carriers in particular that I just trust. I just mm -hmm. trust that they're trying to do the best thing. Like, um, I just got my handover appointment in today. Sweet. I'm, I'm a handover appointed insurance agent. It's Congrats, man. That's fantastic. And you want to know why? Because I trust, particularly Dick Levy, and, but then Steve Sabelli, who's my local guy, and every other person that I've met there, I trust that they have the best interest of my clients in mind. So right. when I chose to pursue them as a direct appointment, it was for that reason. And look, I don't, I also, I'm not going into this relationship assuming that they're going to be perfect because right. if I had Kevin behind me, the CSR, Kevin wouldn't be perfect either. Right. Exactly. Exactly. There's like this weird thing with service centers that like if Safeco, like everyone, everyone tries Safeco's call center and then some people end up going, oh, there, it's no good. And I'm like, okay, why is it no good? Well, someone called for a car change and the car change didn't happen until the next day. And I'm like, okay, uh, okay. I can understand that you're upset about that. How many friggin' times does that happen with your own people? And do you hang yeah. on them and post in the IAOA group that that somehow yeah. they're yeah. like, are you doing that just because they made a mistake? Like they're not perfect. It doesn't mean you shouldn't address it. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't work through it and be cognizant of it. But somehow we are holding carrier service centers to this to this standard that we yep. would never hold our own people to in a million years. Yep, I totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah, I don't know, but uh, okay. So you're so you're excited about load balancing, which I just like saying the word. Load. <laughs> um, so the other thing that sounds I'll really terrible when you say I'm excited. That sounds like the worst thing I could possibly be excited about. <laughs> I mean, I'm excited about spring training starting. I'm excited about uh, you know chicken wings on a Friday night. But I guess sure, yeah, oh, load balancing man. too. I, knew I was going to bring you. You had to know when you said load balancing. <laughs> just too good. Um, so uh, with the, I want to be respectful of your time. We have a few yeah, minutes. Sure, left. sure, sure. Um, 
but I would be completely remiss and not doing my job as an interviewer if I did not bring up your um, relationship with Neon and the Neon yeah. Project and Be Atomic and what's going on there. So, so tell us a little bit about, uh, uh, many people have heard Neon, some have an sure. idea of what it is, some have no idea. Uh, like why are, what, what about it excites you? What about it interests you? What about it intrigues you? You know, all the good stuff. Sure. Um, I'll start with the softball answer, which is, you know, we talked a lot on this interview about how important it is to connect with a person on a personal level and, uh, you know, really feel like you could uh, hang out with a person and you get along with them and you did that sort of look in the eyes across the table and, you know, we're going to do this, right? Yeah, we're going to do this. Uh, so I had many of those moments with um, the crew over at Neon Be Atomic and a lot of that there, there, there is motivation in and of itself just within those connections. Okay, number one. But that's not necessarily why you would enter into a business relationship. Um, the, the, the real meaty answer, aside from the softball answer, is that um, I, I believe in the vision. Um, and uh, it fits right with the idea of uh, what I explained earlier about the system that we worked so hard on back when I was uh, in, in uh, the other industry doing customer support and service, um, there is that similar vein of desire there to be able to sort of up-level, to upgrade the way that agencies are managing their customers, their, I'm sorry, I should actually say relationships, relationships with their customers, relationships with their carriers, uh, relationships with other agencies. Um, and so the vision there is, is very attractive to me. It is an audacious, um, it is an audacious, uh, big-eyed um, vision. Uh, that uh, I not only wanted to be a part of because I wanted to reap the benefits of being a part of it, but I wanted to be a part of it because I actually think that we have something to bring to help build the best product uh, to help deliver on the vision. And so, um, gosh, it doesn't sound like a very, a very uh, concrete answer for you. Um, but I think that it is the system that we can move to Ryan um, that will help us unlock some of those efficiencies that I talked about earlier. Um, you know, knowing things about how we're executing our business, um, having insights into the way we execute, the way our people are servicing our customers, the way we're interacting with carriers, and most importantly, insights that help us tweak uh, our business to make it uh, better for our customers, more profitable for us, more effective for our workers, all that good stuff. Yeah. What I, what I think is interesting, um, and even if people, um, you know, I think people get lost in the details of Neon. Mm -hmm. uh, what, what, continues to intrigue me about neon and and beyond what the first thing you said which is i seth and sydney are two of the people yeah, you dig the people about, right yep. not just in insurance but in the world um you know they uh what intrigues me is that each new person who um i have respect for and i have i have respect for you and your opinion um who who comes into it um their gut is telling them there's a there there. Yeah. And, and that, that to me, it's not just, it's not just homers trying to make a profit. It's not just crazy eyed visionaries like Seth. I mean, this is people from all different walks of life. And in this case, someone who's done real deal, hardcore international technology work is walking in and, and, and their guts telling them there's a there there. And um, that to me, I just, I don't, that's special. And I yeah. think, uh, I think it's why, this project it, it needs to continue to be nurtured and not everyone's going to be a part of it but that doesn't mean you can't support it even if you're not absolutely and absolutely uh, and you know that's well and, and let's be perfectly honest and you know in and seth and if you're listening right this is not a dig but um you know uh you, you know a project of this uh visionary status you know, when you launch it on day one, it's not going to be for everybody, right? It's just not. It's, it's not going to work. I mean, not everyone out and not everyone went out and bought the iPhone one because they realized on day one it was going to be the next best thing and it was going to take over everything, right? And I'm not I'm not trying to make a comparison there. I'm just saying that when you launch a new startup technology, a new piece of cool technology, it takes a while. You know, you have to hit that tipping point, uh, and and there will be changes and growth, growing pains, and all kinds of stuff that go along with that. But like I said, the vision. The vision is solid and and based on my experience from other industries and watching you know what they've done as let's say they moved to cloud scale economy or they moved into you know data warehousing and data analysis um the vision is solid i mean i i'm confident in that well 
my man, this has been a tremendous hour of my life. Yeah, thank uh, you. I enjoyed this. I think uh, it's oh, it's so intriguing to me when I can meet someone who comes from, you know, we all come from very different places, but like your background, very different from mine. Yeah. Somehow we both found our way into this space. And yet uh, philosophically and kind of from a virtue perspective, we share a lot of things in common. And I'm just, uh, I'm glad that we've had a chance to get to know each other a little better. I'm glad we could share some of your story. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, me too, man with the with the the industry as a whole and uh man i can't wait to see what you start to build i think <laughs> really um cool things uh starting to drip out of fudge and, cool stuff is happening <laughs> drip out of fudge i'm gonna i'm gonna mind put that on a t cool things starting to drip out of fudge. put it on a t-shirt maybe uh i like that yeah and uh dude i do think people are gonna be watching so thank you so cool. much for your time and, thanks uh, ryan i appreciate it yeah all right brother take care